You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, guys, I'm just going to say it. I miss The Office. I love my wife and I love my tiny dog that barks a lot. But my one-bedroom apartment wasn't intended to be a podcast studio, a doggy daycare, and an office for two working adults all at once. Until recently, I didn't even have a desk. So, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to the day when returning to Vox Media's office in New York is safe. There are a lot of office professionals at companies across the world trying to figure out when that can happen and what we'll need to change to make that happen. In my case... That person is Stephen. Hi, my name is Stephen Yates. I'm the director of real estate and operations for Vox Media. Stephen's job is to handle all things office. We think about our work as really when you're in our office, everything that you see, touch, smell, in the case of snacks eat, uh, you know, we, we really try to curate those experiences. Our offices at Vox Media look like a lot of the modern offices you see at companies across the world right now. It's got an open floor plan, it's got desks packed close together, lots of common areas with couches and shared spaces designed to make you feel like striking up a conversation. I like it. It looks nice. It's in some ways a designer's dream and an epidemiologist's nightmare. It certainly adds a level of anxiety. Uh, Our offices are for the most part, all designed and built within the last handful of years. And in most cases, designed to have people bump into each other in the hallway and have spontaneous interactions. We have to now rethink all of that because in a world where we have social distancing, we're really thinking about how do we eliminate most of those things that we've designed for. Today on the show, part two of the future of work. The office you go back to won't be the same one you left. I'm Ariel Zumros. This is Reset. Stephen Yates, we don't exactly know when we'll get to go back, but when we do return to the Vox Media office, what's going to be different? Well, I think one of the biggest objectives for us is to make sure that it's a clean and safe environment for everybody to come back to. And that means probably some form of screening people before they come back to understand perhaps what their exposure has been to the virus or throughout the pandemic. So what does that mean exactly? Are you talking like checking people's temperature and checking to see if they've been tested for COVID-19 or? Yeah, it's a great question and it's hard to answer and it's not something that we know exactly to what level we'll do it yet. But the way I think about screening is sort of on the low end of the scale would be some sort of a questionnaire or a survey to people before they come back in to understand if they've been symptomatic or if they've been exposed to somebody with the virus. Taking temperatures is sort of another more enhanced 
level of screening. So actually requiring people either before they come into the office or when they arrive to the office to take their temperature and have some sort of a threshold for what would determine if somebody was allowed in or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then certainly on the high end of that scale is either requiring testing or sharing some sort of test results. All of those things come with you know, many different levels of concern, privacy concerns and cultural concerns. And so we'll have to find some sort of a balance that's appropriate for our company. Okay, what else will I encounter once I finally go back to the office? You know, I, I I enter the building, there's a lobby, I take an elevator up to my floor. What will that look like? What will happen? Yeah, I think coming into the building, there will be uh, fewer people riding the elevator with you and there will be restrictions on how many people can go in those elevators. Um, as you enter the office, we'll have, where we can, more automation so that there are fewer things in the high traffic areas, such as the entryways and the bathrooms and the kitchens, fewer things that people have to touch. Mm. It's possible we could have predetermined paths of travel. So having signage to indicate that certain hallways were only one way to guide people around the office to limit uh, the sort of spontaneous interactions I was talking about. Is that just to prevent people from bumping into each other when they're walking around the office? Yeah, exactly. Like I said, our offices were designed to encourage that type of interaction. And so we really have to think about how we can reduce the chance for those interactions. Mm, Okay. Uh, What else? Well, certainly we'll have enhanced cleaning. And one thing we're paying a lot of attention to is a developing understanding of how indoor air quality can create safer environments. So thinking about things like how we filter the air, how we can pump in more fresh air from outside the building and how the air is circulated throughout the day. But a big part of returning to the office will be behavioral changes uh, on the workforce side too. And so we want to create an environment that has the infrastructure for people to uh, be able to make their own decisions also about how they interact with the environment. Can I expect any cubicles when I get back? not immediately. So I think <laughs> making big changes to our offices can be really expensive and take a long time. Mm. And so a big part of the solution for returning to the office is going to be more remote work. So instead of changing the space to being able to accommodate more people, perhaps we will just have fewer people in the offices and more people working remotely. It's something we're really trying to understand now how that might work for our company. How are you thinking about spaces where avoiding interaction with other people is sort of impossible because that's baked into the whole idea, like a conference room, for instance? Sure. In those spaces where it's much harder to have social distancing, we're going to have to provide not only an infrastructure for people to be able to make their own decisions and change the behavior of people. So that means providing hand sanitizer and disinfectant wipes in the conference rooms, but also providing guidelines for how to use those spaces. And limiting the number of people who who interact with them at any one time, things like that. You know, I, I think this is all really early days right now in our understanding of this virus. There's still a lot that we don't know about how it's transmitted, you know, what distance is safe enough, uh, how much time is it okay to be in an enclosed room with a bunch of other people. And so I'm wondering, are these changes actually going to make us safer or are they just intended to make us feel safer? Well, like I said, I think that all of these steps that we're taking and thinking about taking, we're doing based on information we have and and an understanding that they're going to help us reduce risk. 
they won't eliminate risk, but they will reduce risk. And collectively, they'll start to create an environment that we view as safe and clean and still able to be used efficiently. But I do think there's some theater involved. Uh, More cleaning is good. Everybody sort of agrees with that. But having the workforce see more people around cleaning also contributes to their feeling of of safety and, and knowing that something is being done. Stephen, you're now working from home. I know that you are also working from a home that has a dog because I heard your dog bark a few times. <laughs> do you do you miss the office? Oh, of course. This is, you know, our our work is the office and we think about our employees as customers. And so, you know, we've been taken out of that and, and needless to say, nobody is more excited than, than myself and our team to get back in there and have our folks back to work. Um, but... We're all adjusting, and I think the dogs are happy to have us home. Stephen Yates is the director of real estate and office operations for Vox Media. But it's not just Vox Media. These types of changes are going to be happening in lots of places around the world. It's not just the spaces that we work in. The way we work might change, too. That's after the break. This is Reset. Hey, it's Tom Warren, Senior Editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So, I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox, to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. The whole thing with the open office plan is that you can fit a lot of people into a small amount of space. And now all of a sudden you're going to need more space. So either you get a bigger office or more realistically, fewer people come into that office. Ronnie Mola is a senior data reporter at Recode who's been reporting on the future of office spaces. She explained how companies might try to have fewer people in the office at any given time. Some of the experts I talked to talked about um, having sort of A, B, and C teams. You know, A team comes on in on this day, B team comes in on this day, C team comes in on this day. So we could sort of spread out, have a little bit more space within the office. It boils down to just like, a scheduling issue. And and that is still largely dependent on, okay, the rest of the days when people are doing sort of heads down work, they work from home. All right. So with that in mind, how common is that going to be? How common will it be to have people stay at home and work from there even after their offices open back up again? So towards the beginning, uh, I think it was the beginning of April or so, MIT did a study and they found that 34%, I believe, of people who had previously been commuting to work were now working from home. And that was huge. Mm. And obviously, this is because it's mandatory. But the previously, people who had been working from home, I think majority of the time or most of the time was something like 4 or 5%, something in the single digits. So to have that jump up a third of the workforce 
was huge. Um, right. Some have estimated um, that it could continue to stay pretty high, upward of like 30% after this is all over. I'm inclined to think it's probably somewhere in the middle, you know, somewhere between the single digits and a third of the workforce. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you won't have people who work from home all of the time, but just because this has been such a forced, giant experiment, it's made it so that we all know that we can work from home at least some of the time, you know, depending on your job, obviously. This is for office workers I'm speaking of. So I do think in the future, a lot more of us will maybe spend some days at home. And will that be because we like it or is it because we're scared? <laughs> um, Both. I think you find sort of two sorts of people. One one is like, I don't have a commute. This is awesome. I get to have so much more flexibility. I could go to my kid's recital. Um, you know, I could work mm-hmm. when I want to work. This is great for me. And then there's the other people that are like, oh my God, I need to get away from my children and my dog and it's too loud in here and I can't concentrate. And my boss pinged me at 10 p.m. last night and this sucks. So <laughs> like, it kind of depends on the sort of <laughs> worker you are. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, you know, Working from home all of the time is different than working from home some of the time. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge difference between working from home voluntarily and trying to do your work from home because there's a global pandemic going on. Exactly. There's a huge difference. Huge difference. And in the future, I think that when we make that active decision to work from home, maybe some of the time, it'll feel a lot different than being forced to do it on a in a rushed basis. You know, even that, The people who can work from home right now, who are still working and have the ability to do their jobs from home, many of them are doing so on an emergency basis, right? Right. A lot of homes are not set up for a future where you spend half your week working from home always, right? A lot of people live in very small apartments or don't have the right equipment at home. That's a a problem. Yeah, I spoke to a lot of people about this. You're going to see definitely uh, an increase in people trying to convert a space in their home, if possible, into a better office, you know, when you're spending so much more time in it. And, you know, when you have to go into your closet for a podcast, for example, (laughs) all of a sudden you're like, maybe it's a good investment if I turn this part of the living room into an office or something like that. Um, There's also, you know, I pay more for the internet now and I upgraded my Mm -hmm. wireless router because I can't have this call cutting in and out Whereas before I was like, oh, you know, a little glitch on a rare conference call from home. No big deal. Now it's my whole life is conducted via this internet connection. Yeah, you're going to absolutely see a lot of changes in how people think about their home office. And, you know, that could be very problematic for people because that's also expensive. And, you know, jobs have to think about sending workers home with the right equipment so that they can do their jobs. Is there any data on how working from home affects productivity? Like, do do we actually know? I mean, obviously, right now, I don't expect anyone to be as productive as they normally are because we're in a crisis and things are stressful. But generally speaking, like, do we know if people who work from home are as productive as folks who come into an office? Yeah, there there have been. Yeah, and as you said, very important to to try to separate out the pandemic. But that aside, there there have been previous studies. Um, I spoke to a professor at Stanford a while back. He looked at a, I think it was a Chinese travel agency, mm-hmm. and he looked at a large portion of them decided that they were going to work from home a certain number of days per week. The people who decided this was something that facilitated the way they work were more productive. They were less likely to quit. All sorts of benefits, but. Mm. You know, what's different about now is this is a giant force experiment in which 
you know, we don't have that choice. Everyone has to work from home all of the time. Another key distinction about his study was that they went into the office some of the time. I think they went in like once or twice a week and sort of got on the same page. So it it wasn't forced and it wasn't all of the time and it wasn't indefinite. And, you know, if you look at our situation right now, it's forced and it's all of the time and it's indefinite. So I would not expect the same results. Okay, so there is a reason to come back to the office. And for people who do go back, there's a risk tied to it, right? So how will offices keep things clean and help people avoid touching the same surfaces all the time? We're going to have to leverage new technology a lot more than we used to. Uh, One of the technologies that keeps coming up is voice tech. And that's, you know, a lot of us have Google or Alexa at home and we say, hey, I don't want to set it off, so I won't say it, but we'll we'll, we'll talk to Google and um, ask it to turn on the lights or turn on the TV or do something like that. I think you're going to see a lot more of the, that voice application in the office mm-hmm. telling it that you want to set up a conference call or to turn on the lights in a room or to make your coffee, you know, instead of having to press the button on the the coffee maker. Are we really talking about using... Siri or Alexa, because there there is always a risk with these kinds of voice assistants that that are recording. So honestly, that thought makes me really nervous. Are you saying Google or Alexa don't have an excellent record on privacy? <laughs> yeah, I, yep. there's there's always a, a downside to it too. I, I think a lot of this is just sort of weighing our options, you know. And is it better to you know have Alexa in your office or is it? Better to touch a bunch of stuff in your office, and I I don't know. Ronnie, you and I work in the same office in New York City. We sit relatively close to each other. Do you miss being in the office? I miss some things about being in the office. I don't miss having to commute in every day. I realize, like, what a giant time suck that is, you know, 30, 40 Uh minutes each way. But what I really, really miss about the office is, is my coworkers. And, you know, we talk on Slack, and that's something. But there's something so nice about the serendipity of running into someone you like in the in you know when you're getting coffee and then being like oh let's go grab lunch or something like that and I, I tend to really like the people I work with and you know I miss them and so it's been hard being away from them. Ronnie, you know what I keep thinking about? Uh, you and I both host a podcast, your season of Land of the Giants is going to come out soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And we share podcasting studios and microphones. So that's going to be fun. Oh, man, I was just thinking about going back in there and just bringing my own Lysol. (laughs) Yeah, it is a a, a (laughs) filthy little disease box. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast Studio A. (laughs) Ronnie Mola is a senior data reporter at Recode. I want to hear from you about the topic of this episode. How has the pandemic changed the way you work now? And how do you think it might change your workplace? Record yourself and send a voice memo to reset at vox.com. And we might play it on the show. All right, that's the end of the episode. I'm Ariel Zemros, and this is Reset. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or in your favorite podcast app. 
And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. We'll be back on Thursday. Later, nerds. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.